Top five stories of the season heading into the opener on Wednesday with Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst, AT&T Sportsnet, as this is the season preview podcast. It's Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. Doing the top five heading into the season. Big questions. It's tried and true, and there's a reason for it, because it gets you right into the mode to watch jazz basketball, to watch basketball in general. It all starts Tuesday, tip-off of the NBA season. The champions are back, Golden State. This has been a transformational offseason for the jazz. I'll give my league-wide predictions on the next podcast, but as far as this one, it's all jazz. So let me get out of the way. Five stars, nice views, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Thurl Bailey, you know, he's on the pod on Round Ball Roundup. Basketball pundits, Jazz Nation specifically, I think are pretty patient to know that change isn't going to happen overnight and winning a winning season is going to happen overnight now you're going to surprise a lot of teams because you've got talent and they're going to come together on nights when they can't be beaten um, but you don't get better as a team unless you struggle a little bit and I think um, anyone who's been in sports knows that if you go in and learn from those those struggles then you're going to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to get more cohesive as a team. And that's really where you'll find out more about the team is when they're struggling a little bit. I mean, every, you know, when you're winning, everybody's cool, everybody's happy. But uh, with Coach Hardy, I'm, I'm excited just because of his philosophy. I think for this combination of guys, it's going to take a team effort on both ends. Obviously, defensively, if if you don't have a couple of guys who you're going to rely on every single night to be that go-to guy. I don't really see that with this team. I see opportunities for a lot of guys. I see a well-balanced attack defensively and offensively. I see on a great night, five, maybe six guys in double figures. Um, I do see some constants. I think, uh, and I know we're going to get to some of these guys, but I think uh, a Mike Conley, a Jordan Clarkson, with their leadership and their ability to score need to be constant on, on the scoring side. A guy like Lowry, Mar- Lowry Markinen, uh, and there's some other guys in there too that I think could be consistent offensive scorers. I wondered, this is my second one, what the identity of the team is going to be because it's his first opportunity as a head coach with the Spurs just looking at his tree, he comes from that yeah. Popovich tree, they go either way. They also had Amazing players. It's easy to go both ways when you have Tim Duncan, one of the best two-way players in all of basketball history. But this team, like, what is going to be the identity of it? We've seen Jazz teams that have been heavily offensive under Quinn Snyder with the team that they had last year. We've seen them go very defensive with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors as the bigs. How is this team, what is the identity of this team going to be is something that I can't wait to follow. Well, I, I think Coach Hardy has, has said what the identity needs to be. It has to start on the defensive end. 
it has to start with a toughness about this team that every single night you're going to come out and compete, right? They're going to know you you were there. Um, and even with Rudy for so many years, I'm not sure that the Jazz cemented that identity on the defensive end because when you have a guy like Rudy who's obviously one of the best defenders ever, um, when you have a guy like him, you tend to rely on a guy like that. Covers a lot of mistakes. Covers a lot of mistakes. Um, but then there are times you get exposed, which I think in the playoffs, and as teams got more used to what Rudy could do, it exposed the Jazz a little bit more. And they went to the mid-range game, right? Once they got past their defender and Rudy didn't come up all the way, you know, you got a Jalen Brunson who could just score on anybody. So I think the identity from how I hear Will describing it is a toughness every single night of defensive identity. Now, you, you got to score in this league too, right? So you have to have an offensive identity. I think a lot of that offense, not most of it, but you know, uh, the frequency of making the other team turn the ball over and then you capitalizing on that, a lot of your offense needs to come from that. Um, and the other part of it is is that you've got guys who can shoot the three. The three is going to be important for the Jazz, maybe more important than it was in the previous years because um, that's where the league is now. You've got to have guys who can knock that three down consistently. And so in the Jazz's half-court offense, um, they're going to be they're going to have some size, which is going to help them defensively. They lately they've started this front line of seven footers, right? And so um, that's I think twofold. You're you're long enough where you can guard, you know, other guys, maybe smaller guys in the league, but you've got the ability to be able to knock down the three as well. So the the offensive identity is is something that's really going to be a work in progress. I think. I. I'd like to see it because they have so many potentially 20-point scorers. You have Colin Sexton. He's been a 20-point scorer in this league. Jordan Clarkson, he's a microwave off the bench. You're pretty familiar with that. Uh, you have Larry Markkinen, who's somebody that, during Eurobasket, was amazing. Scoring 43 points, was the second-leading scorer in that tournament. Yeah. That's exactly what you need out of yourself offensively. It is, but does it translate? Yeah. To this philosophy, right? I mean, those guys on and other philosophies were they were actually the highlighted player, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think you'll see some of that on a given night here. If Lowry Markinen has, you know, a mouse in the house in the post, you're going to keep going to him because it works. Um, if Jordan Clarkson, if the defense is good enough and the Jazz are getting out on the break, and Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson can get those early kickups and those early shots, um, then that's what's going to be highlighted that night because it's working. So I, I think the, the challenge is within the philosophy, you have all these guys who have been 20-point scorers. I, I don't know if it's – I don't think we can expect those guys to be those type of scorers consistently every single night right away. No doubt. Right. And Jordan Clarkson, anyway, I mean, he started lately for a guy who's come off the bench most of his career. It's a different role when you're asked to come out and do it early, 
right? Now you don't have a chance to sit on the bench and kind of watch the game and see where it's going. I think six men have an advantage. Yeah. I know I did. You get a chance to watch the game, the flow of the game, what you can do defensively and offensively when you go in. So as far as Clarkson and, and, and Mike Conley goes, um, those leadership roles are going to be important. But, yeah, I think a well-balanced attack on offense, you've got guys who can score, no question. But how do you bring that out of them in Coach Hardy's philosophy? Let's get to that veteran presence that this team has with Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson. Rudy Gay, I think, will be pretty important because he has that previous relationship with Will in San Antonio. If somebody's lost, he can speak Will Hardy. He knows how he communicates, and he can translate that sort of thing. On the Jazz, you didn't have this. You, you were on some pretty good Jazz teams. But elsewhere, what is that role as a veteran when teams are trying to get something together. They're trying to build something. What is the role that you take when it comes to other players on the team and, and looking to rookies, looking to players that aren't as, as experienced as you? Well, every team, every successful team has great leadership, not, not just coming from the coach, but coming from guys who've been there and done that, guys who are accomplished, um, guys who've been through the difficulties of seasons, that you don't win a lot of games. Um, again, that the, that's when I think leadership is the most important when you're struggling in a game or you're struggling during the season or a guy goes out with an injury and you know someone else has to step up. Uh, and there's different kind of leaders. I mean, I, I don't see Mike Conley as that get in your face, come on guys type of guy, but he's earned the respect of, of everyone. Right, he's 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 uh, so solid. Yeah, he's been the floor he's general so of his own team. He's a solid guy, and, and I think automatically there's a respect there that you're gonna you're gonna follow this guy wherever he goes. You're gonna listen to him um, if he corrects you. You're you're not gonna question it. You're gonna go out and do it. And I think when you have a group of guys like that, like a Rudy Gay, um, I think a Jordan Clarkson who's been in the league, um, you know, long enough to be that kind of leader as well, established leader then that's, that's, that's what's going to bring you, that co cohesiveness. And so um, I love the veterans on this team. And again, it is kind of a new role for them, right? Yeah. Now because, you know, when you have Donovan and Rudy on your team and they're the, the guys who have kind of stood out as the leaders on the floor. And, and to me, it has, it's not about – I mean, there, there is some – there is some truth to the fact that, you know, when you look at contracts, you sometimes find your hierarchy, mm -hmm. right? But it's more than that. It goes beyond that. I think it goes to the success these guys have had in their careers and, and the respect they're going to get from these younger guys who, you know, they aren't used to, whether it's on the court or off the court, they're not used to this surrounding. So you're coming together and guys are looking for leaders. Like, who am I going to follow? Yeah. And so those guys that you mentioned are kind of the prime selection for that leadership. And I think Kelly Olenek will also be pretty important as somebody that Danny has familiar mm -hmm. familiarity with, bringing him in as a big to shepherd in some of the younger bigs. I'm looking at this poster, 1983-84. You're on it. The team with heart. Who are the leaders on that team? Because that's got to be pretty year, early what, in your... What year were you born? 93. Oh, 93. I was not Maybe around. 10 years old. No. Um, 
this was 90, 83, 84. This was my rookie season there when I was in college. And um, Stockton wasn't there yet. Malone wasn't there yet. Nope. So when I came to the team after we won the national championship with NC State, the first guy who came up to me when I was trying to get established here was Daryl Griffith. And Daryl had won a national championship as well at Louisville. So the first thing he said to me was, Thurl, look, we have something in common. We're used to winning. Don't, don't think it's going to happen right away when you get here. Uh, so he tried to set me up. Uh, he didn't want me to be disappointed that I was coming from a, a winning college program now to a team who may or may not win, you know, 25 games. Expectations were low for that team, very right? Very low. Very low. Yeah. There's a joke. It's not really a joke that Frank, Coach Frank Layden at that time would get phone calls uh, from fans asking what time the game is tonight. He said, well, what time can you be here? Mm -hmm. Meaning, you know, we didn't get a lot of fans at that time. But we overachieved that year. I remember that was the first year the Jazz had, had uh, made the playoffs since they moved to Salt Lake City. And so – those are great years. You know, I was a rookie. I was learning from guys like Adrian Dantley and Griff and Mark Eaton, Ricky Green. I mean, it was just a uh, a great group to kind of start my career with. I had some great mentors on that team. Denver, then Phoenix, right in the playoffs? Yeah, I think Denver, if I remember correctly, that was the guy to have a heart year um, where we weren't expected to do anything. Yep. Uh, and, and that's when I believe – NBA teams had real rivalries going on because Denver was in our division. Um, they had some great players. Alex English was the the guy who you know was leading that group. Um, so yeah, it was it was. I remember my I was a little nervous coming in my rookie season. It was a man's game, and I wasn't quite um, acclimated to the NBA game yet. But I was I was getting there. I was getting there, and I was getting used to being coached at that level and being a seventh pick in the first round, you got to produce, mm -hmm. right? You, you, you don't want to be on that list of guys who are bombs, you know, as, as a first round pick. So yeah, great memories. And, uh, matter of fact, I have never played a year with the jazz where we hadn't, we didn't go to the playoffs even when I returned. I know you've been around winning programs. I have. It, that's, where you've gone, winning has followed. The only times Minnesota, right, where you've actually dealt with. Well, that was the Jazz' fault. They traded. Yeah, me. I mean, of course. That wasn't my. That wasn't my fault. But listen, I, I had three years in Minnesota where, um, I got to really look at the other side of things. Mm -hmm. Right, all the success we had with the Jazz. Now I'm being traded to Minnesota, who was kind of rebuilding. Christian Leitner comes on. Um, J.R. Ryder comes on, two young guys who they're going to put out on the floor, good or bad. They're going to build a pro, try to build a program around them. And you've got a veteran coming in who can hopefully add a little bit of that winning attitude. But um, yeah, those were rough years. Those were very uh, difficult seasons to go through where you're only winning 20-something games. Uh, and there were some good moments in there. It was my first time we had ever – one in Boston, in the Boston Garden. We didn't do it when I was with the Jazz, but we beat Boston in Boston. So 
Um, but it made me, it made me, I think, stronger as a player. I, I ended up going overseas after that. But um, those years in Minnesota were, you know, they weren't awful years. They were great learning years for me. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. with players that have been traded to the team now, right? You look to the unprovens or, or the guys who are wanting to prove to themselves. Taylor Horton Tucker, yeah. Larry Markinen, uh, Colin Sexton, guys who are in different places and they have that expectation of being first-round picks. They have their world change. They're in a new place. And they're trying to adapt. How do they go about that? And listen, not everybody adapts. Yeah, you know, that's, that's true. That's the truth of it. Not everybody does because... You know, we're in the highest level of basketball. There's a lot of egos out there, you know, including myself. When I was in Minnesota, I thought I should be playing more. But the business of basketball is, you know, Minnesota's trying to build for the future, and they're going to highlight their young guys. And and winning wasn't necessarily as important as trying to build for something in the future. And so um, when you talk about the new guys who have come to this team, You've got some proven guys, right? I mean, you've got a few rookies, but you've got guys who've, who've already been at this level for a while, and they know what they can do, right? So now it's some of it becomes about sacrifice, right? If we're going to win, I have to sacrifice my ego a little bit, and I have to come off the bench. I have to get less minutes. I have to work to fight into the rotation. Um, I got to become a better player defensively if I want minutes, that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been through it. I've been through it all. And so um, that's what I'm really excited to watch on this team, this collective group that they put together, is who's going to start to emerge. And not, we, we can talk about consistently on the floor all you want, but who's going to start to emerge as you know, great players, great leaders, great teammates, because those are all the kind of the intangibles that help you win down the road, right? And listen, they're going to win some games. As broadcasters, we, we have our job too because it's changed for us, right? We got to get to know these guys. We got to figure out how to, you know, on, on rough stretches, you know, how do you, how do you make that positive? Mm -hmm. Well, you got to tell the truth, right? That team is just better. And so... We have our work cut out for us, too, uh, without throwing everybody under the bus. But um, that's the business we're in. I mean, we, we, um, we're going to grow with this team. Uh, there's an excitement, though, as you talk to all these guys individually. The common theme is everybody has something to prove. And they know what's being said out there, all the 
predictions and things. Uh, so it'll be good to see if they can step up to that. Can Lowry be a number one option on a team? Because I look at preseason, he took the most shots of any Jazz player. It was around 11, 11, 12 was his average. Um, he's coming off that Euro basket. He is so far in those preseason games been in the starting lineup. Can he be a number one option? Like that, that excites me as a question for him, yeah. as something that he can take on himself. Hey, am I a number one option, or do I need to defer? Or even finding those moments where I am the number one option, but I'm gonna defer, or I should defer in this this uh, point during the game. Yeah, I think all of the above. I, I think Lowry Marketing is built for it. Yeah, and he's so extraordinary as a player, as a seven, a legit seven footer, who can score in so many different ways. Now he has to be put in the right situation to do that. You know, you, you look at the Kevin Durant. That's a different use of a of talent, a seven-footer. That's not Lowry Marketing, although he has some things, I think, that even Kevin Durant doesn't have where uh, you don't see Kevin Durant posted up that much. And when he does, he's kind of a face-up guy. I think as I watch Lowry Marketing, um, he's really good at moving without the basketball. He's really good at running the floor. He's really good at getting in the mix in the paint defensively, offensively. You got a mismatch. You, you put Lowry with his back to the basket. Um, I think he's also going to become a great distributor. Uh, and he's even been pretty good off the dribble. So in answer to your question, the short answer is yes. Um, the long answer is based on who you're playing against, some nights yes, some nights maybe it's, it's someone else. Um, but there's no question he's going to be an important option for the Jazz because you got to get points, man. You can't, unless your defense is just stellar, you got to have guys who can who can fill it up, and he's one of those. I watched the highlights of that Eurobasket where he had 40, and the combination of stop of shots, yeah. the step back, the between the leg, mm-hmm. like he has a combo that is pretty amazing is. to see for a seven footer. No question about and it. And I don't think he, he was able to display it. Yeah. In his other stops. And he shows it with the Finnish national team because it's built around him, sure. But yeah. still being able to do that, that's huge. Yeah, I think you can highlight that. I think you can highlight that. If you're Coach Hardy, you know all these things. And you know who you're playing against that night. And, you know, if it's not a getting past a bigger guy off the dribble to the hoop, um, then it's a swing, 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 four or five passes. Lowry's going to be out there. Let him hit that three. So that's the variety I think this team's going to bring. And, and Lowry's going to be a huge part of that. Final one, five stories to look forward to this Jazz season, the rookies. The guys that came over from the trades with Minnesota and Cleveland. You've got Ochai Abaji, number 14 overall pick in the draft. Number 22 overall pick, Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. And then Simone Fontecchio, who comes over from Italy. He's a rookie, but he's 26 years old, but still a rookie. First year in the NBA. What are your expectations for these guys? Well, I think... My biggest expectation will lay on the shoulders of the rookie Walker Kessler. Uh, since defense is going to be part of the Jazz's identity, um, he's not Rudy Gobert, but I think what he did in college translates defensively to the NBA. Um, I like that he watched Rudy Gobert in college. Yeah. He, he oh. said that, that he takes some of that how to block a shot yeah. from Rudy. There's not, there's not a lot of that these days in the league where yeah. guys are talking. Most guys are talking about how they learn to step back from 
Kyrie, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think shot blocking is one of the lost arts, I think, in with a big guy in basketball. Uh, one, because the game has become so offensive now and the three-point shots become so so prominent. But when you have a guy who has really honed it on his craft, I mean, I was a shot blocker in college. I led NC State in block shots every year. And it was important to me. It was important to me to, to really develop that skill. And people say, well, how can you develop shot blocking? Well, you can. It's It's timing. It's, um, you know, it's unselfishness because most of block shots, whether it's Rudy or Walker or myself, are going to come from helping other teammates, mm -hmm. right, from the help side. It's really difficult to, to block a really good offensive player who is into you, right? And, and a lot of those shots, and, and a lot of times it's not even about blocking the shot. It's about changing the shot. And so... Um, even with Rudy, it became about dissuasion, right? You're standing there, and you don't know what's going through a guy's mind, but when you know he, when he doesn't come to the basket, you kind of know that he sees Rudy in there. You right? come to Utah, less shots at the rim. That's right. That's what it was. That's right. And so Walker is one of those guys, I think, that can be a force defensively for the Jazz. And from what I saw against Dallas, even offensively, a big guy like that running the floor, uh, learning how to not bring the ball down, uh, learning how to shoot that little jump hook in the paint that I believe if you get it down, it's an unblockable shot. Guys don't shoot it enough. Um, and so he's that's a rookie that's going to have to grow up real fast. Some of those passes out of the short roll mm -hmm. where he's going straight to the corner yeah. takes bigs multiple years yeah. to master that pass. Yeah, it and does. He, he has shown it in the first couple of preseason games. Yep. And one of the things that he has that Rudy didn't is he's got nice touch from that five, hopefully hopefully five to ten foot area mm -hmm. in the paint or, or outside the lane. If he could knock that down on a regular basis, um, that's just going to make him a bigger threat offensively. Abaji, I, I, he's such an athletic guy, right? And, and I need to see more of him, which means that He's going to have to earn more minutes to really understand what he can do. I've seen him in practice. I've seen him in preseason a little bit. But um, as he learns from the other guys and kind of develops his game, I know he can play. That's no question. But where does he fit in? Where do you put him defensively, offensively? Um, can he go in there and give you a good five minutes, give someone a good five-minute spell and make a difference before he comes out of there? Um, Simone, I, I – I, I love the energy he brings. He got he has this high release on his jump shot, which is hard to get to if you're catch and shoot guy out on the three point line. So he's got an energetic game. Um, he's going to have to, you know, work hard to, to break into that rotation as well. But that's the excitement of of what we're about to witness this season. Is um, Jazz Nation really appreciates guys laying it all out there, even if you come up short. Because they can see, they can look ahead and say, you know, we just need a piece here, a piece there, a couple first-round picks, and in two or three years, we might be talking about, you know, competing for, you know, a, a conference championship or something like that. But for now, I'm just excited to get these guys on the floor and see them when it really counts. 
uh, and see how they react to different things. But nice, just a nice group of guys we've seen so far. Uh, the culture already, as you can tell, has is, is really been good with, with everybody, not just the, the players, but the coaches as well. So let's, let's throw the ball up, JP. Let's do it. I'm ready. Second <laughs> straight year of you traveling with the team? Second straight. Yeah, my 24th as a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm an empty nester now, so it feels a little bit better. Are you using some of the Italian you learned on Simone? Yeah, Simone and I, we, we chatted on Media Day. Oh, in, in Italian. Italian. We did. Yeah. You know, I wasn't trying to show off, but, you know, I, I spent some great years over there and, and uh, you know, learned from my teammates how to communicate and, so that, that's, a, that's something I keep in my pocket that I can use. How do you say that. pure shooter in Italian? Oh, tiratore puro. <laughs> oh, the Renaissance man, <laughs> Thurl Bailey. I love yeah, it. You know, so, puro. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. Got a great collection of guys, very energetic. Again, something to prove for everybody. See if they can put it together consistently. Looking forward to it. You excited? Very. Sounds you see like my hair standing up on my head? I'm I very can excited. see it. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy. Thurl Bailey, AT&T Sportsnet. Catch them all season long as the Jazz enjoy this season in the NBA.